Hello and welcome to Podcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, UK rate strategist, and I'm joined today by our global market specialists, Giles Gale and Jan Navruzzi. Um, another crazy week, probably another one for the record books. So let's get straight into it. Giles, I'm going to start with you, although really we could start anywhere this week because uh, we've all been very busy, but we've had a pretty dramatic move in Bunds this week. I think 10-year Bunds probably on the week are now down about 40 basis points. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon for anyone who's kind of fact-checking me. Um, what has really changed and, and is that the right move? What, what's really going on here? It's, I mean, it has just been the most absurd week of volatility since the last absurd week of volatility. And that 40 basis point move that you just mentioned, um, you know, let's see whether it'll be more or less by the end of the week. But that was just two days, 25 basis points of which came today on the basis of um, a slight disappointment on the PMIs. You know, so what is going on? Um, you know, I guess we'll come to the way it all started actually uh, with you in a moment when talking about the UK because I think that was really what got it all going wasn't it it was the um, it was the sense that maybe maybe we are past this kind of accelerating inflation phase of um, this cycle and now and and there are just on that there are there are a number of different elements right I mean so we can all see uh, that the economic growth has been slowing and certainly surprise indices, for example, of uh, economic indicators in uh, across regions, to be honest, but um, no, notably in the US have been, um, well, I mean, there are long-term lows, you know, just as an example. So you know, that's kind of priming the market uh, to, extent, to, to an extent. But then the markets have been, surprised so often at how persistent inflation has been that um, I think that they really wanted to see the evidence on the inflation side before going, okay, now we can we, you know, we can move on to the next thing. But we've seen a little bit of weakness in commodities and you know, that's something which as a whole would be a whole other, other discussion where that's something that can, can really be maintained. Uh, particularly, to be honest with you, in the European context. Nonetheless, um, no, we are seeing it. It also seems like there's a bit of an improvement in some of the supply chain questions that have been you know, such a problem on, uh, on, on the supply side. And so the, I think that you know, that's, that's one important part of the answer to your question. People increasingly are believing that we are at peak inflation and therefore even if you no know, we can you know may, maybe in weeks and months to come we'll talk about the you know, how how persistent inflation is still you know, but it's very different when it's not accelerating but decelerating and so may, you know, maybe it's not just going to decelerate fast enough that's something that we'll have to come back to it's a, as i say you know, an in-depth discussion of its own but I think that what's happening is that people are now moving on to the next big theme, which is, okay, right, no, we don't have to worry so much about inflation, it's growth. And the sense that we are staring down a recession 
is clearly increasing. So, you know, dare say Jan will come to it um, at the end of our discussion today. But, uh, you know, it's something which is reasonably openly being discussed as a possibility and a risk by, by central banks. I think, you know, if you look at surveys of business leaders, it seems to be a base case, to be honest with you. Um, and so you know, then the question becomes, are central banks really going to deliver all the hikes that we're pricing in at the moment in a recession? And you, know, you might have some hard-nosed economists out there that believe that that is what they should do because you know, they'll tell, tell you about sacrifice ratios and things like that. Now, how long are we going to have to run um, you know, subtrend growth, higher, high, higher unemployment, you know, perhaps meaningfully un higher unemployment in order to bring inflation back down? And do central banks really have the guts to put that through? And I think we all suspect that they probably don't. Um, so, you know, and that's not just, it's not just a courage question. It's also, you know, their basic framework is slower growth should mean um, a slowdown in inflation. And so then it comes down to, okay, so what is, what does caution mean for them? So that, that I think is a, a longish answer to, to, to your question about what's happening, but it's happening, but it's just happening very, very quickly. And yeah. I think that the, the, just just to finish up on that, the, the one thing that we did have today, and I was flippant at the beginning of my answer, a little bit flippant, uh, was that the reaction was to the down, you know, what was a, mo a reasonably modest downside surprise on the PMIs, given that the PMIs are pretty uh, uncertain anyway in, in, in Europe this morning. And I think that people just feel like this is confirmation that the momentum is very much in this direction and you no know, there was a lot that can be priced out so that's that's it i guess well you've sort of answered this question and it's sort of a difficult question i suppose given you know how just how quickly markets are moving and just how volatile they are and you know even in normal markets we know how fickle they can be and how quickly they move from one theme to the next but I guess given everything that you've said there you think that this is a kind of go with for the moment what kind of trades and and I guess yield direction shape of the curve etc are you expecting from here then? yeah I mean this is the this is the most important question, of course. <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to say what's just happened. And regular listeners will know, and, and readers of our, our strategy will also, um, that you know, I've been more on the bearish side for rates for a long, long time. Um, and so, you know, it, I mean, it seems like almost... You know, you might come back at me and say, "So, what is about? What is it about this fifty basis point move that's <laughs> made, that, that, that's made you more bullish?" But you know, I mean, I think I, I have a lot of sympathy with the, uh, you know, with the this sense, and it frustrates me greatly that it's happened so quickly that we haven't really had a partner that the the, the the opportunity to 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 get ahead of it because the, you know, I mean, who can get ahead of a market like this, right? I mean, it's really well. You know, to know cleverer people who uh, have you know, more foresight, I suppose, is the answer there. Um, but it, no, it, it, it's very frustrating. I'm sure that I'm not the only one that feels that frustration. Um, at the moment, I think it is go with. Um, simple as that. 
particularly at the front end. I mean, we, we have been saying for weeks, and again, it's been terrifically frustrating because you know, we've been repeating and repeating that there's been too much priced in for, for central banks, that, that, you know, that we don't recognize the skew of risks in what, uh, what central banks are pricing at the front ends. Okay. Um, and I mean, that we have been reasonably consistent on um, and actually you know, really putting quite a lot of emphasis on that in, uh, in, in the UK, uh, you, you have Imogen. Yeah. So, so you know, I think that this is, you know, th that, that's the, the first thing to say. I think that it's, uh, it, it is something that you go with, particularly uh, led by the front end. For the curve shape, you know, I think it's, it, I mean, it is what we're, so yesterday, as in Wednesday, we saw the, you know, a, a flattening rally, which I think was you know, very, I mean, it was really very confusing. Today, that's turned into a full-blown steepening rally, which makes an awful lot more sense. And I think that, that is probably the way that this continues. Why? Partly because, um, you know, this be, you know, if, if this is the right evaluation of the reaction function for, for central banks, you know, where more caution means uh, caution on, on, on the policy rate, um, as in not moving too quickly, then that you know, perhaps stop, stokes up you know, inflation and you know, some degree of inflation risks further down. I also think that central banks, you know, I mean, particularly this is the case in, 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 well, in, in Europe, I think everywhere, they, they, they would much rather not deliver the hikes and the risk being flipped back into QE. So, you know, if, if, so I think that that is an important consideration for, for the curve also. Um, and you know, again, coming back uh, to something that we've spoken about at length on in previous podcasts, I, I think that there's this sort of cross-asset sort of you know, portfolio sort of strategy angle whereby you know, unless you see all of this business you know, supporting stocks to a greater extent, which it may, you know, it may, um, and I think that there's still longer term questions about the, the value of long term fixed income. Um, plus, QE is ending. Um, you know, there's a lot more supply that still has to find out. Um, so there you go. Um, BGPs, I think, should be doing better. So that is Italy should be doing better than it is right at the moment. But you know, in this kind of volatility, um, I'm not that surprised. And if we're worried about the about recession risks, I'm also not surprised that it's, uh, that it's lagging a little bit. I'd expect it to catch up when things kind of shake out. Um, but you know, this is actually a relatively minor point to make today. I was just going to say, I guess there's still a fair amount of uncertainty. You know, we had that monster rally last week with the ad hoc ECB meeting, but there seems to be a, you know, now we're kind of drilling down a bit more into the details of this kind of OMT 2.0 tool and, and what that might look like. And there's kind of a few conflicting headlines around what the parameters might be and, and how powerful it might be and stuff. So that's perhaps holding BCPs back a little bit. No, exactly. I, yeah. So maybe they just did the correction they needed last week. And now you know, the people are, in, who, who knows, maybe people are just fading that and you know, using the, the rally to, to um, um, anyway. So we'll come back to that. Um, I think it's now time to come to the to the UK and uh, reflect this back on you, Imogen. Um, no, it's been an equally busy week for for, for the UK markets, and you now we've already mentioned that uh, the UK was really in the driving seat from the get go yesterday. Uh, no, I mean, 
I, I just want to give you the opportunity to develop that from your perspective uh, before we move on. Yeah, for once it felt like the UK was, as you say, the driving force of, of global fixed income, because it feels like for the last couple of weeks, the UK has just been whipping around with whatever Europe and the US have been doing. So it was nice to be at the forefront of the action for once. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it was a volatile start to the week. We This was always set up to be a very busy week for the, for the UK. We had um, a lot of central bank, well, in the context of the UK, we had a lot of central bank speed scheduled a lot of data um, in the UK and elsewhere. We've had public finance data, we've had the PMIs, we've had inflation, we've got retail sales still to come, consumer confidence still to come. And then we had that, the long end syndication as well at the beginning of the week. So we started off actually quite weak at the beginning of the week week at the beginning of the week <laughs> um uh you know we had hawkish rhetoric from man which is not surprising we didn't really learn anything new but we know that well really up until yesterday this market kind of placed a lot of weight on on hawkish rhetoric and so priced in even more into the front end we then had the syndication which um was smaller in size and and the allocations caused a little bit of a, a well not just a little bit, but, you know, sell off, particularly at the long end of the curve with real money and LDI getting significantly less than, than they usually do in these kind of supply events. Um, but then we had the inflation data come on Wednesday morning, and that was the real turning point. And there wasn't so much surprising, I guess, in the headline figures, but the real story was just this softening in core inflation. Um, and we know that it, the Bank of England have been um, vocal about this idea that they can act forcefully if they see persistent inflation and pills reminded us a couple of times now that persistent inflation is not the same as high inflation uh, and that just that slightly softer print um, for uh, the last month of inflation I think just poured a little bit of cold water on this idea that we might be getting kind of inflation expectations out of control and and we may well see um, persistent inflation by the end of the year. So we actually have the peak in core inflation now coming in the next couple of months. We think that comes in July at just above 6%. Uh, and although it remains a little bit sticky into the end of the year, we do have it coming off by the end of the year and then getting down to about 3% by the end of next year. So um, that was, as you say, this driving force that actually globally, it, it seems like, both on the growth side and on the inflation side, uh, pressures might be alleviating a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, that was followed up today by weaker PMIs in the euro area. Actually, UK PMIs came pretty much as expected and in line with last month, um, but they'd already had a bigger adjustment last month. So if you remember, the euro area data was a bit more resilient last month. And so there was a bit of catching up to do, I would say, on the European side. But weak PMIs on the European and the US side this afternoon um, have driven another rally in, in fixed income across the board. So uh, the UK has fully participated or, or led the way rather. Uh, and I think pretty much everything that you just said about, about Europe, Giles, we could kind of copy paste into this UK section and just give a little voiceover whenever you say Europe and put UK. <laughs> but then we would deprive everyone of, uh, of your voice. In the <laughs> Which, of course, we know. We, we, we know we know everyone uh, is tuning in for. So um, guilt, the guilt view then last week, you were turning a little bit more, a little bit more bearish. Uh, or sorry, sorry, less one, bearish. Sorry. <laughs> less bearish, less bearish. Yeah, you were losing bearish conviction last time. Um, no, I guess you weren't necessarily anticipating quite such a rapid turnaround, but who was? <laughs> um, how are you feeling about that now? 
Yeah, I wish I could say I was, uh, but I think, unfortunately, I probably voice recorded on this podcast just saying that our bearish conviction was waning. Um, I think, oh, well, I can't remember if we said exactly these numbers, but I think at the time we said that we saw 265 as being the kind of top in yields and anything beyond that looked very stretched. Uh, they've rallied, I think, I was checking the chart because I was showing off to Ross. <laughs> uh, they did hit 265 or just went through and, and they've rallied back, as you know, quite significantly from that. Um, I think there's bullish and bearish pressures from here. You know, pretty like I say, pretty much everything you said about Europe, I think, is relevant for the UK as well. I think the data is about to turn. As we said, you know, we expect the core in, in the peak in core CPI to come in July and then it trend downwards from there. Um, we think that the GDP data is likely to get weaker into the end of the year, um, but particularly weak over the next couple of months. We have June as the kind of weakest point in our monthly profile this year. Um, so the data turn is coming and it's coming pretty soon, we think. Um, we've spoken at length on this podcast and in our written notes, you know, as you said, Giles, that we think the front ends are pricing in much too much. Uh, front end of the UK have, has priced out about 125 basis point hike now by the end of this year um, but that still leaves a significant gap between what we think what we think the Bank of England is signaling and what the market is pricing in um, and it just felt like yields had adjusted far enough you know if you put in our bank rate forecasts our macroeconomic forecasts into our gilt model um, they were suggesting that, that gilt yields should be significantly lower than here um, if you look on a kind of PCA analysis basis gilt yields look cheap particularly on a cross market versus treasuries um, seasonals are supportive gilts tend to do well over the summer months um, and yeah so there's a, a fairly long list of reasons I think why gilt yields can continue this kind of bullish run um, and this kind of global turn in the data I suppose is one of the biggest ones of course we can't forget exactly as you said you know supply is still to come I think if anything we learned from the syndication this week that the smaller size means there's more long-end supply to come down the line um, demand wasn't huge particularly from those that usually have structural demand for the long end of the UK curve um, and is that an indicator of the fact that bonds offer no real hedge value anymore particularly in these kind of volatile markets. Um, QT is coming, we think, that adds bearish pressures. And although, you know, it's a relatively well-known and probably relatively well-priced, in fact, that QT is coming, there's still a lot to play for, I suppose, in terms of, you know, scale, uh, how it's operationally designed. And, and I not although it's priced in and it's a known, well, uh, what we think is a known fact that it's coming, it, you know, I, I can't imagine that the first few operations will get underway or even the announcement will get underway without any adjustment in yields or volatility. So there are still reasons to be bearish. The public finance data today, um, you know, suggests further upside risk. I think the actually most interesting point perhaps is what it tells us about interest expense that's risen to kind of post or uh, post GFC levels. We'll, we'll, soon be breaching those levels, which again implies upside supply risk. We have fiscal stimulus announced back in May and perhaps some more coming next year in, in a pre-election year. So there are medium term reasons to still be bearish. And I think that that can kind of temper your bullish conviction. But I do think over the coming months as the data softens, um, maybe 
quieter summer months. <laughs> Maybe that's too soon to say. Um, I think that there's reasons to think that, that gilts can rally further from here. Um, so we're, we've updated our target to look for 215 um, in gilt yields. Although, you know, in these markets, that isn't very far away. It feels like it could be, <laughs> well, could be by the close of today, but it's probably about 15, 20 basis points from where we are now. I thought for a moment you were going to suggest that we might get there before we finish recording. <laughs> well, I'm not ruling anything out in these markets. All right, then let's move on to the US. Um, like I said, we could have started with anyone this week because it has been a super busy week. But Jan, you got the top spot uh, last week. So I demoted you to the bottom this week. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Uh, of course, we've not couldn't go a week without more central bank action in the US either. We've had Powell's semi-annual testimony uh, yesterday and today. Uh, have we learned anything new there that, that might matter for, for fixed income markets? Yeah, the US, is, uh, US moved a lot too. And if you kind of took a call like a 10 day hiatus and just came back, you probably would have kind of found yourself exactly where you left. Meanwhile, you had 25 basis points intraday moves. But, uh, but that being said, yeah, it was important. But for those who closely watched the June FOMC meeting, we didn't really learn all that much from uh, Powell's first day in front of the Senate Banking Committee. As we're recording this, he also has, uh, he's about to kick off his. Uh, remarks in front of the House Banking Committee. Uh, so, uh, so this is the second day, but most of the information is already kind of given. If there is new information, it's given the first day. Uh, it, a lot of the focus was around how he understands the hardship that uh, uh, high inflation is causing, and just generally kind of doubling down on this uh, on their commitment to bringing that inflation back to two percent. But there's there's a few things there that were a little bit different, I thought. It felt a little bit more political from both sides. Uh, from one side, he was kind of getting a little hammered on the idea that they've been telling him he should be act, he should act faster, and he kind of let inflation come where it is, and they took their time. From the other side, now there's this new, uh, newly kind of like rising criticism that they might not be able to control things like gas prices or food prices through interest rate hikes. So what they're going to end up causing is just undue economic hardship and kind of increase unemployment uh, at the expense of trying to bring down inflation. So it's in a very difficult spot to be, but uh, he he pretty much gave the sim gave a similar feeling to what we uh, to his press conference in June. Uh, so like uh, last week. So. Uh, pretty much open to anything, asked about 100 base points, doesn't exclude anything. But given how uh, forward guidance has become a little less reliable and how much they're going to be data-dependent and nimble, uh, I think at this point, uh, you know, anything's on the table. Why why even box yourself into a position of 50 or 75? Just uh, say whatever is needed. They will do whatever is needed. Uh, but it was, and that being said, it wasn't also a market-moving event uh, on that side. So just the message is clear. They're going to do whatever whatever is needed to bring down inflation. That meet, might mean increasing the pace, decreasing the pace. Uh, at least it was kind of open or admitting more op openly that uh, a soft landing will be very, very challenging now. And that seems like a decisive shift from uh, the rhetoric almost like, called like a month ago when a soft-ish landing was very much so uh, their base case. 
Now, we've spoken at length about what we think about European and, and UK yields here after the moves that we've seen in the last couple of days. So it would be a bit remiss of me to not ask you also what you think about US yields. You know, you guys were actually kind of quicker, I suppose, on this turning point than us. You've been talking about uh, kind of peak hawkishness and, and growth risks. Well, I don't know, you're going to correct me now, but it feels like a couple of months ago now even, and, and you kind of paired back on that given the market volatility so how are you feeling about the outlook for us yields from here yeah i mean i think if anything the our view that the markets are going to focus more and more on the recessionary risks should have increased because think about the sequence of events we had a blackout period where we're going to we're about to head into the fomc meeting with the wide conviction that you're going to get a 50 basis point hike then uh kind of like a statement leaks out or is given to the journal that they're actually going to go 75 catching markets off guard given you know like a a giving a feeling of of panic or at least feeling cornered the need to do more and then uh the data hasn't changed if anything it's looking slightly weaker the only thing we learn is that the fed is willing to increase their pace which to me means they're going to keep going until either something breaks or you know like we somehow miraculously achieve this uh, more moderate, kind of like more controlled lending, which could happen, of course, through lower, for example, through a significant lower commodity prices. But like Giles said, that's a completely different topic that uh, we can spend lots of time on. But but the, the whole point in our view is that unlike Europe, I guess, a lot of the US inflation is uh, heavily domestically driven. So the Fed is not go- going to have the flexibility to really pull back that much yeah they might stop and say instead of going 75 basis points go 50 or 25 but they're going to go well above neutral uh, in a very very short period of time uh so that sort of that that sets like a low bar of when they can stop and how how you know like the least amount of distance they can go and all that to me means that you should just not realistically see real yields going up on in like the 10-year point the way they did and uh with kind of inflation expectations are centered around two and a half percent. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Uh, but uh, just assuming that the Fed's going to go as fast as they will, and that should mean kind of like higher uh, intermediate yields is just, it's just not the right idea to me, given what they contain. So uh, long story short, I mean, we're kind of almost back to where we were before the FOMC meeting and yields have been rallying a lot. So it's just the volatility kind of made it untenable to, keep doubling down and you want to see uh you know you want to see the trend switching because you know in all fairness trend following strategies have been the one of the most successful strategies this year and this might be one of those cases where uh getting ahead of expectations of a recession might not be the right move but rather seeing the data topple or start turning and then jump on that wagon so being the first might not pay off because it really really goes up can go against you while uh, the, once the trend starts, I think it will it will continue. All right. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jai, as well. I guess we'll be back here same time next week to see if this really is a trend or if markets are focused on something else already by next week. Um, thanks, listeners, for joining. Uh, and just a reminder, if you liked today's episode, uh, don't forget to hit the like button and please subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. See you next week.